So we need to stop relying on willpower to engage in the habits that we want to be engaging in because it's finicky. It's not always going to be there. It will be low sometimes. Welcome to How Do You Feel, a podcast with info and inspo to help you tune in to your fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I'm your host, Casey Zavaleta, and together we'll explore how we can optimize our physical and mental health so that we radiate positivity and happiness from the inside out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to How Do You Feel? I'm so glad you've decided to join me for this episode this week. This week, I don't have an exciting guest to share with you. You're stuck with me for the next 30 minutes or so, but we are going to talk about a very important topic in nutrition, and that is how do we create sustainable behavior change when it comes to nutrition? Now, at the heart of this is addressing what is your relationship to food and how are your emotions affecting your experience of eating? So there's lots of work to unpack here, but I'm gonna give you a little bit of an overview of some of the things that I would personally consider either for myself or when working with clients when it comes to attempting to change my behavior in a way that's going to last a lifetime because that's what we're here to do, right? We know that eating is an emotional experience. There's often nostalgia tied up in food. We connect with friends and family over meals. There are cultural and religious traditions that are very closely tied to food. So food is so much more than the protein, fats, carbs, micronutrients that make it up. And I think one of the big mistakes that we make in the fitness industry is we forget that. We try to boil it down to the macronutrient ratios and we look at food as a combination of numbers, which it is so, so much more than that. We have to consider how this works in both directions. So how our emotions are affected by the food that we eat and then also how our emotions are playing a role in the food choices that we're making. So we're gonna talk about both of those today. First, I wanna talk about preoccupation and obsession with food. This is so key for sustainable behavior change because if you think about and obsess over food 24 seven, you're not going to be able to stick to whatever nutrition plan that you're currently trying to follow. To constantly have your mind be thinking about food, it's too much energy, it's too much mental capacity, it's too much willpower to be able to sustain something like that long-term. Like that is one of the first signs that whatever you are doing is not sustainable. How do you know if you're feeling preoccupied by food? Some questions that you could ask yourself are, do you continue to think about food right after finishing a meal? When you stand up and walk away from a meal, you should feel satisfied enough that you're not immediately thinking, what else could I eat? When's my next meal? When can I have my next snack? 
Like you should be at peace with having eaten that and you should have that full satisfied feeling that you're able to walk away without thinking about food for at least a couple of hours. You can also ask yourself, do you think about your next meal long before it comes? Now, sometimes this is normal. If you're thinking ahead to Thanksgiving dinner or thinking ahead to a special date night with your partner where you're going to a nice fancy restaurant, like, yes, that is normal to think ahead to those things and look forward to them. However, if often it is morning and you're thinking forward to what am I going to have for dinner? What can I eat for dinner? And that's occupying a lot of your thoughts. It's a good sign that maybe you're a little bit too preoccupied by food for what you're doing to be sustainable. Finally, the third question you can ask yourself is, does food pop into your mind when you're trying to focus on something else? If you're in a work meeting or you're sitting down and connecting with someone one-on-one or you're trying to concentrate on that big work project and food or thoughts of what can I eat? Should I get a snack? What can I eat next? If those types of thoughts are constantly intruding on your ability to focus, then likely something is not quite right with the way that you are nourishing your body. Whatever you're doing likely is not going to be sustainable. So that's how we figure out if we're preoccupied by food, but why might we end up feeling preoccupied and obsessed with food? This is certainly not a comprehensive list, but I'm gonna give you three reasons why this could be the case. The first, you might not be eating enough. If you're not nourishing yourself with enough calories and enough energy, our primal brain is wired to think of nothing except food. Where can I get some energy? Where can I eat something? Is there any food in my environment? How can I make sure there's some food in my environment? That is the mode that your brain will switch to if you are drastically under eating as far as quantity is concerned. Another thing to consider is that we are all genetic individuals. So based on our ancestry, there are different macronutrient ratios that likely will work better for some of us than others. So some of us are more adapted simply based on our genes to do well on a higher carb diet. Others are adapted simply based on our genes to do well on a high fat diet. So if you are eating a certain macronutrient ratio that is not right for you, and not right for your body. And again, like these are ballparks and it's an estimation, but if you're very far off, your body won't feel nourished and at peace. And that's another reason why you could feel preoccupied by food. You also have to consider the types of activities that you're doing. So are you engaging in high intensity activity often, multiple times a week? If so, you're likely going to need to be fueling yourself with more carbs than someone whose activity is very relaxed and stays more aerobic. So if you're eating the wrong macronutrient ratio for your genetic composition, for your activity level, then that's another reason why you could have these obsessive thoughts around food. The final reason that I'm going to pose for you guys, again, not a comprehensive list, but... It has more to do with 
personality. Whether you can personally relate to this or you just know someone in your life who's like this, we all understand those people that are perfectionists. If you are a perfectionist about your food, that will naturally cause you to constantly be thinking, what am I gonna eat next? How can I compose my meal in the quote unquote right way? Whatever it is you think that is. We have to remember in nutrition, our bodies from one day to the next will not burn the same amount of calories. Our metabolism is literally constantly changing and adapting based on what you are doing, based on your internal physiology, based on your mental state. In nutrition, therefore, this is not an exact science. It is all ballparks when it comes to nutrition because even if you're tracking or even if you're measuring your food for some reason, you're not gonna know exactly what it is that your body needs simply based on numbers. Like, I don't care, you could have the most sophisticated fitness tracker in the world and you could be weighing every single thing that you eat. I don't recommend that for people, but you could be doing that and you still would not know exactly what it is that your body needs that day, which is why it is so critical to be able to dial in and listen to how you're feeling that day. It's not about numbers, it's about how are you feeling. So if you're a perfectionist and you identify with that personality type, this could be another reason why you can get a little bit obsessive over food and you might notice that pattern in other things in your life as well. The next big thing as far as emotions are concerned that I wanna talk about is fear. If you're fearful of certain foods, subgroups of foods like maybe gluten or dairy or even complete macronutrients like afraid of carbs, you likely do not have the peace of mind and the flexibility that's needed in order to be able to sustain behavior change and nutrition over time. The reason is that life will happen. You will be at the birthday party where there's cake and ice cream and everybody's eating it. You will be at the party where they order pizza for dinner. You will be out on a date and sit down at the table and there will be a beautiful basket of bread and butter staring you in the face. And we have to be okay with understanding that part of life is participating in those things. Part of life is indulging in food when we're in those scenarios. But if you are fearful of those foods and you eat them in those scenarios, what happens is the next day you wake up and you feel guilt. You feel shame. Maybe it's not even the next day. Maybe it's right after eating it. But the residual effect is that you feel guilt over eating that food that you said you couldn't have. Now, the problem with feeling guilty is that when we feel guilt, we feel like we need to make up for it. So what happens is you swing way the other way. Maybe you're more likely to undereat. Maybe you're more restrictive with yourself for that day. You're more preoccupied with your food the next day. 
And that causes you to make decisions that you think are good for you, but actually do not serve you in any way. So we have to be able to detach from the fear, have flexibility and adaptability, and therefore detach from the guilt that's associated with eating quote unquote off limit foods. It's really interesting in nutrition because people get so married to one way of eating. For example, someone might go on a quote unquote lower carb plan and they feel really good on it for the first couple of months. Now let's compare that to a training program in the gym. As a coach, I might give you a program and we might follow it for a month. Let's say one of the workouts is six exercises, three sets of 10 reps at a certain weight. We are going to stay within those parameters for one month, maybe six weeks, and then we're gonna change it up because your body will adapt to that stimulus and we're gonna need to change it in order to continue to get stronger and continue to see results. This is the concept of progressive overload. The same thing applies in nutrition, yet, We get so married to one exact program that we felt good on for a while, and then we have like a complete inability to change it up and to be flexible. And so what happens is, let's say we see results for a short period of time, having cut out some carbs, all of a sudden we create this fear of carbs and we have a lot of trouble reintroducing them back into our lives. So I have some questions that you can ask yourself to start to break down, do you have fear surrounding food? The first question is, are there certain foods that you say you can't have? Are there certain foods that you consider to be completely off limits? Now the problem with this is, when you end up in the scenario where that thing is present and when you end up eating that thing, you're going to be dealing with guilt afterwards. And that is completely counterproductive when it comes to our nutrition. Another question very, very closely related. Do you feel guilty after eating certain foods or types of food? And then finally, you can ask yourself, do you feel worried about the concept of changing your current eating plan, whether that's different foods or a different schedule. So up to this point, we've talked a little bit about how food can influence our emotions, but I wanna flip that now and talk about how emotions can influence our food choices. When states of internal discomfort arise, we look for ways to feel better. So whether you're feeling stress, sadness, anxiety, overwhelm, maybe boredom, we naturally look for ways to soothe ourselves. Now, the thing is that for a lot of people, they can get into the habit of using food to soothe these internal states of discomfort. Now, I'm not saying that this is wrong. I don't think this is a right or a wrong thing because I think this is something that every single one of us will do at some point and that's perfectly okay and I think it's a perfectly okay use for food. 
The problem is if this is happening on a daily basis and this is your only coping mechanism that you have in your life in order to ease these internal states of discomfort that will obviously arise regularly. So we need to be able to become aware of how it is that we're feeling inside, the craving that that is inducing, and then how that is causing us to turn to certain foods. So certain foods that taste especially good, that have sugar in them and they're really palatable, those types of foods, when you eat them, your brain has a pleasure response to those foods. And you'll see a dopamine spike happen in people's brains when they eat those types of foods. So that pleasure makes them feel better and soothes the internal states of discomfort. The thing about habits is that you cannot simply erase a negative habit. Instead, what you need to do is you need to rewrite a different habit into the negative one. So when the cue arises, instead of engaging in the behavior that you would normally engage in, you purposely, consciously, mindfully, choose a different behavior. Now the thing is that different behavior has to be something else that also brings you pleasure. So some examples of this might be watching your favorite TV show, giving your partner a hug or connecting one-on-one with a partner, friend, or family member. Maybe it's playing a game that you find so fun and that you really love, reading your favorite book, whatever it is that brings you a lot of pleasure and something that you really look forward to, that's the behavior that you would try to reinsert into this sort of habit loop. Like I said, I don't think that this is always something that we must try to avoid. But if it has become a pattern in your life, I think there is a lot of value and a lot of power in realizing the cue and realizing how you're turning to food and how your emotions are causing you to turn to certain types of food that maybe you don't want to be eating regularly to make you feel better. And almost always, guys, that dopamine spike that comes from the pleasure of how that food tastes, it's temporary. And then after, maybe in 30 minutes or an hour later, you don't feel so good because those types of foods don't tend to nourish us. Let's go over an example of how these emotions might manifest in someone's life. Let's picture a mom of two kids. Let's say that it's a Sunday evening and they all go to a birthday party together. At the birthday party, there's some drinks for the adults, there's cake and ice cream for everyone, and so the mom decides to indulge in those things. She gets home afterwards, and she really felt like cake was something that she couldn't have if she was going to reach her quote-unquote goals and get the results that she's looking for. Therefore, because she doesn't have the flexibility to be able to say, that's okay, I ate cake once and I'm gonna move on. She feels guilt over that. So she wakes up the next morning and she feels like she needs to make up for it. The way that she decides to make up for it is she's gonna skip breakfast. So she just takes the kids straight to school and heads right to the office. Now at the office, she has a particularly stressful day. 
She has a meeting with her boss where she gets some challenging feedback and it causes her to feel a little bit of anxiety that sticks with her the rest of the day. So she goes home that night, she has dinner with the kids, and normally after dinner, she pulls out her favorite bar of dark chocolate and has a couple of pieces. But because she has not eaten enough that day and been preoccupied with food all day, she also is dealing with an internal state of discomfort that she doesn't have another coping mechanism for. So she ends up eating that entire chocolate bar instead of just the couple of pieces that she would normally eat. Again, everyone, I wanna be clear. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be eating a whole dark chocolate bar if that's really what you wanna do and it happens only every once in a while. I think we just need to think about the patterns that are arising and how it can become a perfect storm for us to engage in behaviors that in the end don't serve us over time. Questions that you can ask yourself to decide if you are someone who uses food to soothe internal states of discomfort on a regular basis are, do you eat differently at the end of a busy, stressful, or challenging day? This can be in regards to food choices or behavior around food. Would you call yourself a stress eater? Some of you may or may not identify with that. Do you often reach for food when you're not hungry? And this one, I think I don't always eat for sure. I'm not always reaching for food only when I feel hunger pangs, but this one is kind of getting out if you're just reaching for food often because you're looking to soothe a state of boredom, which I think for sure happens to some of us throughout the day. It's just something to be aware of. So we've covered emotions pretty comprehensively. The last thing I wanna talk about, the last piece I wanna talk about as far as sustainable behavior change is concerned is your environment. Your environment plays such a massive role in the behaviors that you engage in on a regular basis. I wanna tell you guys a story about when I lived in a condo down on King Street in downtown Toronto. If you live in a condo or have lived in a condo in the past, you know that in most condos, your living space, your kitchen, and your dining room are really all one area. So when I lived in that condo, I had a very strong habit of every time I was in the kitchen cooking a meal, I would have the TV on and I would also be watching TV. Then, whether I was by myself or I was with Eric, Eric and I would sit down at the dining room table, we would leave the TV on, and we would watch TV through our meal. Not necessarily a behavior or a habit that I would say was serving me if I wanted to connect with him or I wanted to be eating mindfully. Now, I was able to change that habit with absolutely zero effort or energy whatsoever. None. Can you think of what happened? We moved. We moved to a place where I couldn't see the TV anymore from the kitchen. And our dining space was either outside where there was no TV or it was in a room where we couldn't set up a TV. So with zero effort and a simple environment change, that habit completely dissipated from my life. Now, I'm not suggesting that every time you have a habit that you don't like and a habit that you'd like to rewrite that you need to move, but it just shows the power of our environment in affecting the behaviors that we engage in. 
If you have an absolute favorite snack, let's say you're obsessed with salt and vinegar potato chips. They're amazing. Do you think you're gonna eat more chips if that bag is sitting out on the counter in plain sight, or if that bag is sitting away in the back of your cabinet, out of sight, out of mind? Of course, you're gonna eat more if there's a visual cue for that food in your environment. It's not that you're restricting yourself by putting it up in the cabinet, but it's not gonna be on the top of your mind and it's not going to be affecting your thoughts and therefore your behavior on a regular basis. Personally, I'm working on not having a glass of wine every single night at 5 p.m. when I make my dinner. Our wine rack normally sits right out on the counter where I can see it. So I decided to construct my environment in a way that would support me moving past that habit and I put my wine rack down in the basement. Therefore, I think about the wine much less because the visual cue is not there. Guys, the nature of willpower as humans is that it waxes and wanes. That is normal. That is a part of life. I'm sure everyone knows the feeling of when your willpower just feels like it's fully there and you are in control of every single decision that you make throughout your day and you feel great about it. We also know the feeling of the day when it feels like we aren't in control of any of the choices that we make and we can't summon willpower to concentrate for five minutes, much less make nutrition decisions that we're proud of throughout the entire day. We have all experienced those two types of days and that is normal. Willpower is such a finicky thing and it can be fatigued by even the smallest little tasks. It can be fatigued by not getting a great night's sleep the night before or needing to use more mental energy on certain things throughout your day, on small decisions that you need to make one day that maybe you don't have to make other days. Like there are so many factors that go into this. So we need to stop relying on willpower to engage in the habits that we want to be engaging in. Because it's finicky. It's not always gonna be there. It will be low sometimes. So if we can instead construct our environment in a way that supports the behavior change that we're looking for, and this applies to everything, like you can apply this to nutrition, but you can also apply it to fitness and wellness and connection and sleep and work. You can apply this to everything. Construct your environment in a way that supports whatever it is that you are trying to implement in your life. My hope is that you can start to make changes in your life that will allow you to rely on willpower less. That is how we end up with sustainable behavior change and that is how we form really resilient habits. Okay, everyone, those are all my thoughts for the week. As always, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I appreciate every single one of you that tunes in every week. Please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any requests for what you would like to hear on the podcast in the coming months. I am 
always open to feedback about what you would like to learn more about or who you would like to hear from, okay? So please don't hesitate to reach out. You can find me on Instagram at KCMZav. You can send me a DM or you can email me KCMZavaletta at gmail.com. I would love to hear if you have any thoughts. Okay, everyone, I hope you have a great week. And as always, make sure you get out there and do something that makes you feel good today.